This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. It was in the state of Kentucky in the U.S. that a gruesome crime was committed. What followed was a case with many twists and turns, with a dysfunctional family at the centre. The victim was all but lost as the trauma unfolded and it turned into a prolonged saga of lies, confessions and retractions. This is Apple for the Teacher, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called Family Feud. A crime is committed, but who done it? In the town of Louisville, Kentucky, lived a group of people who all knew one another. A lady named Angelina and her partner, Jay Sr., had a son called JJ. Jay Sr. had a cousin named Cassie, and although they were related, they had an on-and-off-again relationship. Only a few houses away lived another family called the Zwickers. Amanda and Terence had a boy named Trey. Growing up, JJ didn't see much of his father, Jay Sr., as he had been in and out of prison. Then, JJ's mother, Angelina, died, and he went into foster care as his father was in prison. After being released from prison, Jay Sr. was granted custody of JJ. They went to live with Jay Sr.'s cousin, Cassie, where their relationship continued. Meanwhile, at the Zwicker family, Amanda and Terence's relationship broke down, and Amanda then entered into a relationship with Jay Sr. He then went to live with Amanda and her son Trey, as did Jay Sr.'s son, JJ. Trey and JJ were around the same age, of 14 and 15, and they considered each other as stepbrothers, even though they technically weren't. Then, on the day of May 11, 2011, a teacher at the Liberty High School took their class outside for a break and they were walking along the edge of the school property. Here is one of the students describing what happened next. He said, Me and a buddy of mine, we were ahead of the pack and I looked over and saw it and didn't really pay attention to it at first and then my friend started hollering. I was thinking, is this real? Is my mind playing games on me? Is this really happening? What they saw was what looked like a person's body. It was laying in a ditch behind the school. The person was deceased, and after police investigations, it was determined that the person was 14-year-old Trey Zwicker. The coroner concluded that he had been bludgeoned with some type of a rod-like instrument. It was believed he had been left to die in the early morning hours of May 11th. But those who knew Trey were at a loss as to who would want to kill him and why. From all reports, Trey was a great kid who did well in school and was well-liked. The early investigations failed to provide any possible motive or suspect. The police interviewed Trey's mother, Amanda, and she gave the following details of the last night Trey was seen alive. She said she was at her house with Trey and her partner, Jay Sr. Trey and Jay Sr. were playing basketball. Sometime that night, Trey had gone to bed, but later she found him out on the front porch and he was dressed. She told him to go back to bed 
as he had school the next day. At about 1am in the morning, she and Jay Sr. went to a convenience store to buy cigarettes. They were seen on security video. After returning home, they went to sleep at around 2am. The school where Trey was found was not the school he attended, but it was close to their house. Just after Trey's funeral, the police were conducting their investigations and wanted to speak to Jay Sr. and his son JJ, but they couldn't be located. It was then that Trey's mother, Amanda, took out a protective order against Jay Sr., indicating that she suspected he was involved in the murder of her son Trey. But it was Jay Sr.'s cousin Cassie who made an even more startling statement to police. A few weeks after the murder, Cassie was interviewed and stated that JJ came to her house at around 1.30 in the morning and confessed that he had beaten Trey with a baseball bat. He asked her to take him somewhere where he could dispose of his bloody clothes and the baseball bat. So she drove him to a secluded location where the items were dumped. Now, it must be noted here that Cassie gave this statement a few weeks after the murder. She did not go to the police with this information herself, but they had initiated the interview with her. So she had JJ confess to a murder and said nothing. Then, about a month after they had gone missing, Jay Sr. and JJ were found in Alabama and arrested. Initially, it was thought they had carjacked a random woman by gunpoint and held her hostage, forcing her to drive them to a destination. But it was later determined that the woman had been involved with Jay Sr. and that the three of them had fled together. However, she then feared for her life and managed to escape and alert the police. Following Cassie's statement about JJ confessing to the murder, he was extradited back to Kentucky. When interviewed by police, JJ gave the following account of that night. He said he was on the back porch with his father and Amanda and Trey. Trey said he was going to have a shower and then going to bed. So JJ decided to go to Cassie's for the night where he watched a movie. He stated that he liked Trey and so did his dad. During the interview, the police made mention of JJ's time spent in the care of his foster family, which from all reports had provided him with a stable and loving environment in which to grow up while his father was in prison. But JJ said he loved his dad and that life was better with his dad. JJ questioned why the police had arrested him and that both he and his dad were innocent and had nothing to do with Trey's murder. Here is what Jay Sr. said happened that night. Firstly, he had said that some African-American teenagers were the ones who had killed Trey. Then he changed his story and stated that his son JJ asked Trey what time it was and as Trey was pulling his phone out of his pocket, JJ hit Trey on the head about 15 times. JJ was subsequently charged with murder and tampering with evidence for disposing of the clothes and bat. Jay Sr. was charged with kidnapping, gun charges, and also violation of probation. However, the kidnapping charges were dropped after it was determined Jay Sr. 
had been in a relationship with the woman and that she had willingly gone with him and JJ. Jay Senior was not charged with any offences relating to the murder of Trey. It was then that a stunning turn of events occurred. Jay Senior then confessed to the murder of Trey and said that his son JJ had no involvement. He was charged with murder and sent to prison pending the trial. Following this confession, the murder charges against JJ were dropped, although he was still charged with complicity to murder and tampering with evidence. At his arraignment, JJ pleaded not guilty. Jay Senior pleaded guilty to murdering Trey and at his trial was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. The judge at the trial said, It just amazes me that you sit there with a smirk on your face and you smile through this whole process, knowing the pain you've caused all these people. I hope I never set eyes on you again. Jay Senior then testified at JJ's trial and maintained he had murdered Trey and that he had acted alone. So the case against JJ hinged on Jay Senior's confession and on the testimony of cousin Cassie. The clothes and murder weapon were never found, so ultimately it was determined that there wasn't enough evidence against JJ and he was found not guilty. Trey's parents were furious as they believed JJ was responsible for the murder, but that Jay Senior had covered up for him. So Trey's mother, Amanda, had initially suspected Jay Senior and had taken out the protective order against him, but then had changed her mind and believed that JJ was responsible, but perhaps with some degree of involvement with Jay Senior. While in prison, Jay Senior then granted a news anchor an interview where he reiterated that he was solely responsible for killing Trey's wicker and that his son JJ had nothing to do with it. He said, only two people know what the guaranteed truth is and one of them is dead. When asked why he killed Trey, he said that he was fed up with Trey stealing things from him, particularly marijuana. But he also mentioned another motive involving Trey's mother, Amanda. She had been pregnant with his child, but after they had a falling out, she allegedly aborted the baby in retaliation against him. That last night of Trey's life, he said he was drunk and upset about losing his child, and then he just snapped. He said, I hit him the first time, then that probably wouldn't have did it. Now I'm just drunk and I'm so mad, and that this is how my life finally ended. He was asked if he used his fists, and he replied, no. Then he was asked what he used, and he said, I'm not going to say right now, but they don't have it. When asked again, he said, I'm not telling you. I know they don't have it. So he seemed to be very coy here about specifying what the murder weapon was. He went on to say how remorseful he was about what he did, and that he deserved to stay in prison. He said, it's the worst thing I ever did. There's not a way you can make up for it. Somebody's death. I don't believe in that heaven and hell expletive. When you're dead, you're dead. Never let me back out. I'm no good out there. So, Jay Senior had confessed to the murder and categorically denied his son JJ had any involvement. Then, in another prison interview, he revealed further details, saying, 
that there had also been another murder planned. He said, I just don't want people to think that it was all about Trey because it wasn't. Trey connected the people that I hated most. Honestly, I was just trying to get my parole reinstated where I could kill Amanda and just come back and own up to everything I did. He added that his son JJ taking the blame for Trey's murder wasn't the long-term plan and that killing Amanda was. I knew I was done. I wasn't going to make my son pay for something I did. But at the same time, I just didn't feel like me and Amanda was even. So he said he then persuaded others to lie and point the finger at JJ. He was asked by the interviewer, so you thought you were going to be able to pin this on JJ and then clear him? To which he replied, well, I was going to come back and own up to everything. Once I killed Amanda, they'd know for sure that it was me at the time I had everybody fooled. They didn't even know who did it. I've thrown a monkey wrench over here, over here, over there, over here, and then when everybody thought they was going this way and this way and this way, I come out with the truth and they're mad about it. So, at this time, JJ was awaiting trial and Jay Sr. said, Yeah, well, I mean, you can't prove that he did this or that she did that when they didn't do it. So, how are you going to prove something that didn't happen? You can't. So, Jay Sr. was convinced that his son wouldn't be convicted as he was the one who coerced the witnesses to make false statements against JJ. So, the details of Trey's murder and the sensational turn of events made national headlines with their bizarre story creating much conjecture. But the case received further attention when JJ appeared on the Dr. Phil show. On the show were JJ and Trey's parents and also cousin Cassie. Jay Sr. was also interviewed via Skype from prison. Dr. Phil asked cousin Cassie to explain what happened that night and she said, About one o'clock, JJ come up and was like, Cassie, wake up, wake up, wake up. I'm like, leave me alone. And then the second time JJ said, I just killed Trey. And I'm thinking he's pranking. And the third time, Jay Sr. was with him and saying, you got to take him to get rid of this stuff. That's when I got up and took JJ to the dumpster. There was a bag of clothes and a baseball bat. Dr. Phil said to her, when you found out that Trey had been tragically murdered and left in a muddy ditch behind a school with his head bashed in, did it occur to you then that you should come forward as a citizen and do the right thing? A child's life has been taken and you didn't come forth and tell anybody that someone had confessed that murder to you? To which Cassie replied, I wanted to, I was scared, I didn't want to be involved. And Cassie also claimed the murder weapon was a baseball bat. However, the forensic expert concluded that it could not have been a bat, to which Cassie replied, I drove him there. I didn't help him hide it. I thought it was some kind of prank. So she was implying that she hadn't actually seen what the weapon was. Dr. Phil then asked JJ to respond to what Cassie allegedly said happened, to which he replied, I don't know this lady. I don't know if she took my dad to dump evidence or if she's saying this because my dad made her say this. I do not know her and I don't know what can motivate her so much to want to hurt me this badly? Now, this was a very curious statement because, as we knew, 
JJ and his father had lived with her for a time. Trey's father said the following about Jay Senior. I don't believe Jay Senior has any kind of conscience of everyday feelings that anybody has. I believe he's a monster, just like everybody depicts him as. I grew up across the street from him. I know who he is, and I know who he's always been. With all of the contradictory statements from those involved, Dr. Phil invited JJ to take a lie detector test, and he initially agreed, but then he backed out at the last minute. When asked why, he stated that he had already had two lie detector tests in the past and that he didn't see the point of having another one. He was asked by Dr. Phil what the results were, to which he replied that they were inconclusive, I think. This in itself is interesting, that he said, I think. Shouldn't he be able to say categorically what the results were, that he passed or failed, or that they were inconclusive? So it seems rather bizarre that he wasn't willing to state the result, appearing to be rather fuzzy on this crucial detail. However, Cassie did agree to the test, which she failed. When the results were revealed, Cassie said the following to JJ. Wow, I can't believe this. I cannot believe this. Once again, you get away with it, right? And JJ responds to her by saying, once again, you got called out for your lies. Trey's father responded to the whole situation by saying, he's a murderer, she's a liar. My son is gone and nobody can tell me the truth of what happened. She participated and that's murder. He's guilty, she's guilty. Trey's mum's guilty and Jay Senior is guilty. They're all guilty. They all knew what happened down there. So after all that had happened, Jay Senior was in prison and JJ was free. However, in the years that followed, JJ was involved in other incidents which saw him in and out of prison including assault and drugs and weapons charges. Then, just a few years ago in 2019, the twists and turns in this case took another twist and turn. While in prison, JJ wrote a letter where he categorically confessed to the murder of Trey. The confession letter read as follows. My name is JJ and I am 22 years old and I am ready to get the truth out there. I am nationally known and even more locally as the boy who got acquitted of killing his stepbrother. In May 2001, Trey Zwicker was discovered behind Liberty High School in Louisville, Kentucky. He was beat to death with a Louisville slugger. I killed him. I was arrested on June the 23rd and charged with the murder, and I was incarcerated for 25 months until the case was resolved. On August the 9th, 2013, I was acquitted, found not guilty, by a jury of my peers. But let me back up a bit because I skipped a few important details. On May the 10th, 2011, I murdered Trey Zwicker. I murdered him alone. It was not planned, it was not a plot, and there was nobody else involved in any kind of way. I acted alone, and my father's lies and him admitting to the murder he had no involvement in. I was spared a life sentence and granted freedom. Let me explain. As I previously mentioned, I was arrested on the 23rd of June, and my father was indicted the following year and charged with the murder also. 
the Commonwealth charged me as an adult, meaning that I would face a life sentence if convicted. As this was taking place, my father decided to lie and take the blame for my actions. By doing this, he hoped that I would be freed and sent home. So, on May the 10th, 2013, at a routine pre-trial conference, my father changed his plea to a guilty plea. He lied to the judge and told him that he had killed Trey and that he acted alone. Note that this date was also exactly the two-year anniversary of the murder. So, as you can imagine, this had a big impact on the court. The judge allowed my father to enter a plea of guilty and the prosecutors had no objections either, even though they knew he was innocent, but I will get to that in a minute. My father was sentenced to life two months later on June the 26th, 2013, three days before I began my trial. So, to state the obvious, my dad's hopes did not come true. He was hoping that the charges would be dismissed against me after his change of plea, but they weren't, and that might be the best thing that he could have hoped for. The prosecutors agreed. So, on July the 29th, 2013, I began my first day of trial in the death of Trey's Wicker. Throughout the first week of my trial, I even had four people that I was close with at one point in time testify that they knew I killed Trey. One of them, my cousin Cassie and Jay Sr., even testified that she took me to dispose of the murder weapon and bloody clothes. But thanks to my dad performing so well during his testimony, the jury came back with a not guilty verdict. Let me explain. My father took the stand with one goal in mind, to form a series of lies and fabricate a story so believable the jury would fall for it, and he succeeded. He kept his answer short and to the point, because he had no details of the actual crime, other than what he learned from our discovery. On August the 5th, Erin White, the prosecutor, said, Your Honour, the lie that Jay Sr. chose to go with, that he's the murderer. This is the part where I was talking about the greed and malpractice of the Commonwealth. The 9th of August, 2013, was a big day in quite a few ways, and the most obvious one is, it's the day the jury found me not guilty. The day started with closing arguments. They were mostly routine, except for one mistake on behalf of the Commonwealth. The prosecutor stated, Ladies and gentlemen, let's be clear about one thing. Jay Senior's plea and testimony in this courtroom were nothing but lies. See, it was clear that my father was innocent. He was just on a mission to save his son's life. Even if he had to portray the image of a ruthless murderer, which he is not, to do so. After closing arguments were finished, the jury then were given instructions before beginning their deliberations. It took many hours for the jury to reach their verdict. Luckily for me, they weren't able to see through my father's lies like the Commonwealth was. I was so nervous and paranoid that they were going to be able to see the guilt on my face that I even tried to cop out to a plea at the last minute. Twenty minutes before the jury announced their verdict, I had my lawyers inform the prosecutors that I was willing to sign ten years at 85%. The Commonwealth greedily declined and countered my offer with one of their own. 
20 years. I declined and decided to roll the dice and gamble with my life. And 20 minutes later, I was on my way home. And an hour later, I was at Aspen Creek eating dinner with my family and friends. Since my acquittal, my life has been a bumpy road to say the least. I have been in and out of trouble and in and out of prison since. In February 2014, I flew to Hollywood to appear on The Dr. Phil Show. He looked me in the eyes and told me he could see the innocence in my eyes. Well, I guess even a psychology degree can't teach you common sense because I played my role and fooled him easily. See, up until now, I haven't told anyone the truth or any of the details about how the murder happened. But now I'm finally ready to get the raw and uncut truth out there. I'm willing to open up and let the world know the truth. There is even a book that was written called Accused by Brittany Decker that is based on the case, but it has no truth or actual facts about how the murder happened. I am willing to sell my rights to the highest bidder, of course, to work with an author and collaborate on a biography. But most important, I'm ready to clear up any and all misunderstandings and claim full responsibility for my actions. So by writing this, I'm trying to get some media coverage as I unveil the truth and also expose the wrongdoings of the Commonwealth and the courts. Please get in touch and contact me soon. So what I found curious about this letter was that he did not mention any motive. But I did manage to find the following quote about why he killed Trey. For one, I just didn't like him. He had a big mouth, but no action to back it up. You know, he told me one night when we got pulled over by the police coming home from a house party, and I had some weed on me, and he told on me about that. And JJ was also asked if his father had told him to kill Trey, and he said, absolutely not. If anything, he would have instructed me to never do that. So a man who's been in and out of prison and has a long criminal record, he would say to his son, no son, don't do that. That's the wrong thing to do. I think not. So after JJ's confession, there was much conjecture about why he finally admitted to the murder some eight years later. Due to the double jeopardy law, a person cannot be tried twice for the same crime if they had been acquitted. So it was thought that JJ knew he couldn't be tried again and therefore was free to confess. However, a criminal defence attorney stated that this was not necessarily the case, saying, depending on what charges were brought against him, he could face other charges. It would be up to the prosecutors to level new charges at him. But to me, it seems that JJ's confession was all about money. As he said, he wants to sell the rights to the highest bidder. It doesn't really matter if he did it or not. I just think he wants to capitalise on all the drama and attention, which is just so sad for poor Trey. So, as it stands at this point in time, the murder of Trey has not been solved. But it's clear why, since everyone involved has changed their stories and it's impossible to sort out the truth from the lies. Perhaps this was the master plan all along, to provide a whole series of contradictory information. Well, if that was the case, it worked. However, both of them are in prison 
So the plan wasn't so masterful after all. So we saw from the various accounts that the people in the house on that night were Trey and his mother and JJ and his father, Jay Sr. So the fact that Trey was found at the school near their house says to me that perhaps Trey and JJ went out that night and hung out around the streets and at the school as teenagers would do and that's when the murder took place. Jay Sr. could have been there as well but a father going out at night roaming the neighbourhood with teenage boys seems not likely. But of course everything in this story is so bizarre so we can't rule anything out. Jay Sr. appears to have an alibi as he and Amanda were seen on the security footage at the convenience store. But popping out to a store and returning home would not account for all the hours of the night and the morning. So I believe there would have been an opportunity for Jay Sr. to be involved in the murder as it took place so close to their house. As it was shown that both JJ and Jay Sr. lied multiple times, it seems the truth in this sad story will never be known. So if there was a saying that could sum up this story, it would be, like father, like son. It's clear to see that JJ's life is heading in the same direction as his father, a life of lies and criminal activity. But there is only so much blame that you can pin on genetics. Yes, JJ unfortunately has his father's DNA, but perhaps he is young enough to one day truly understand what he did and decide to steer his life on another course. In video footage of JJ and his father, you can see how alike they look, even down to the smirks on their faces during the court proceedings. JJ just seemed to enjoy the attention that he was receiving and the whole circus surrounding the case. And Jay Sr. was using expletives throughout his testimony and making an absolute mockery of the law and the court process. But so, so sadly, poor Trey has virtually been forgotten in this whole saga. The sensational nature of the story has totally overshadowed this innocent 14-year-old boy. I couldn't find anything about Trey. As I always do, I look for information about the victim, but I could not find any tributes or any YouTube videos, just a few passing comments that he was a good kid. All those family members were quite happy to provide media interviews, but it was always pointing the finger at each other. Even Trey's father believed his ex-wife and Trey's mother were somehow involved as she had been there that night. But I was able to find Trey on the Finer Grave website and I was so glad to be able to leave him a message and I would love if you could do the same for him because I just feel so sorry that, you know, he's, he's virtually just forgotten in all of this. His name comes up in all of the saga. But this poor little boy, you know, I feel so sorry for him. So if you can leave him a message, please leave him a message. Let's show that we care about him even though his family don't seem to really care and that he's not forgotten. So if you want to search for him, just go onto the Find a Grave website and his name is under Terence Wayne Trey Zwicker III. So that's Terence, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, Wayne, W-A-Y-N-E, Trey, T-R-E-Y, Zwicker Z-W-I-K-E-R-3rd. And now let's preview the next episode 
It's called Plot Twist and Cookie Monster. The family went through a terrifying ordeal. What happened to them? The student shared some cookies with her schoolmates. Why? And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote. Your child will follow your example, not your advice. Bye for now, and remember to be a good apple. 